Bridging Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan, one of your hosts, and I'm really excited to be here with you today. And I'm joined by Liz Herrera, a career coach who has a wealth of knowledge for us. And uh, Liz, I feel like this is one of those times where I'm like, how do we get all of what you have in here out there in a reasonable amount of time, but we're going to try and do our best here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on your show, Nathan. Yeah. Um, we always like to start with our guests because we are bridging Chicago. And so we like to make that connection. So we'd like to start talking about your Chicago stories. So are you from Chicago or did you come here from somewhere else? Born and raised in Chicago. I'm from the Pilsen neighborhood. Uh, so yeah, oh, okay. I've, been, I've been in Chicago my entire life. Okay. The, admittedly, I haven't been to Pilsen too many times. Um, one of the times that I have, though, is uh, in the marathon, kind of runs through Pilsen. And it's such an amazing neighborhood. Uh, during that time, like, uh, there's a lot of vibrancy, obviously. But in the other times that I've been there, too, it just is like such a fun neighborhood with, with so much to see that I don't know if people always realize everything that kind of is contained in Pilsen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has changed, but it's definitely there's a lot of culture and richness. Um, and I mean, it's it's where I it's where I grew up. Uh, fam family members. My father still lives in in Pilsen, and so many great restaurants. Uh, yeah. Well, there's yeah, absolutely. Like, and I still live close by, so I have okay. my, you know tamales on Sundays. <laughs> so it's yeah, definitely still a lot of our you know our heritage is still is there's still parts of it there for sure. Yeah, growing up in Pilsen. I'm assuming you were pretty close to your family, a lot of family ties there. Yes, yes. So did that sort of affect the way that you grew up, the way that you thought about like what was important to you, what you valued, and then what you wanted to do after you um, you graduated from high school there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I did obviously go to the neighborhood high school. I went to Benito Juarez High School. But absolutely, Nathan, everything is tied to to my personal values and my upbringing. Uh, so yeah. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll share with you growing up, um, my, my mom actually passed away when I was five years old and I have two younger sisters. Okay. And so very young parents. My father was 25. Yeah. And so he did not have a high school diploma and he worked in a factory. And so we were under the care of my grandparents were his his parents. And so while he worked, they took care of us. We went to school. And so um, down the road, when I was a teenager, my father lost his job. He had a back injury, uh, got injured in, in, working at the factory. So he essentially was jobless. And he, yeah. I watched him study for the GRE. Uh, right now, the GED. GRE is grad school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. watching him Nathan, every night, you know, working on the floor till midnight with the back, you know, yeah. back pain. And I thought to myself, I said, no, I said that, that I, I want a different life. And, you know, he's killing yeah. himself for yeah. us here. So for me, getting an education was going to be something very important, even though I didn't know how I was going to do it. <laughs> I knew that that was something that I had that I had to do. So it, it really did stem from 
the discipline and the focus that my father had. And, and I feel like I may have some of those traits that have uh, taken yeah. me my own personal uh, journey. Yeah. Education is so important. And, and as a resource, it just opens so many doors that you wouldn't necessarily have access to if you weren't able to be educated. Um, and yet it's something that there's still this large disparity between how different people in the city are educated, partly based on where you live, based on the income that your parents make. I mean, there's so many things that go into how people are educated here in Chicago. And as you think about education as a resource, um, what do you, how do you see this disparity? And, and what do you think about how we are resourcing kids in all different parts of the city, whether it's South, Southwest, West side, North side, um, city center here, like, how do you see that um, education as a resource and the importance of it and then how we're doing as a city and educating our kids? Oh, there's definitely a gap and disparities depending, like, as you said, you know, where your zip code is uh, and the yeah. type of, of neighborhood if you're, you're, you know, depending on the type of school, right? So I can only speak of my yeah. personal experience. And so I went to the neighborhood high school, under-resourced, of course, but, you know, being a, a a student or, you know, in the community, you don't know these things when you're there. And once you start hitting, you know, you go to college and you start seeing the difference, like, oh, you were involved in this or you did that. We didn't have that in our high school. And so you start yeah, yeah. seeing those gaps. And so I feel like it really depends where you live and also the type of influences that you have in your family, the type of exposures that you have, that all makes makes a huge difference. But there's a ton of work that needs to be done in some of our inner city uh, high schools and elementary schools. Um, and again, I can only speak of my own personal experience, but I definitely saw that there was a, a, a pretty wide gap in my learning yeah. experience. But there are people and mentors and programs um, that are out there to help support uh, students that are in their educational journey. And, and I think having supportive family makes a huge difference because uh, I yeah. know that that yeah. was important for me and, and even just, you know, going to college, finishing college, it was having that, that family support for sure. Yeah. And I think that having grandparents who could step in and help out, but seeing your parents, um, in your case, your dad, like, just give everything they have to create a better life. I think every parent probably wants a better life for their kids than what they have. Even if you have a good life, you still want better for your kids than you, what you had yourself. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that you said that, that really made me think about a past series that we did was how you don't know what resources are out there until you see them and other people using them. And you're like, wait, what? Like, you have this beautiful library and we have this like rundown thing that never has any books. Like um, it's tough because it, it's not just access to resources, but even knowing what those resources are, I think is a barrier. And so as you start to discover that more, I mean, as, as your world sort of opened up more, what, what did you think about stepping into that? And then how does that sort of affect the way that you give back now? Oh, that's a great question, Nathan. So I actually, uh, I had a mentor in high school and she was a student teacher mm -hmm. at the University of Illinois, Chicago. 
And so she was actually the one who encouraged me to fill out the applications, fill out financial aid and all that good stuff. And so I, you know, I, I got into the, into the university so I can, I'll never forget my first day. And so I am a first generation college student, obviously. And, and I'm walking into my father dropped me off on the first day. I felt like I was in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking on campus. And so UIC is a large institution and I would hear stories, you know, we're, we don't tend to succeed there. People fail. It's so big. You're just a number. So I'm going in with all these like thoughts. Right. And so I go in and I'm thinking like, I do not belong here. This is the scariest of things. And I'm in the class and I try to sit in the back of the room of the lecture hall. There's so many students and I'm like, I'm just going to be invisible for a minute. And so yeah. I just, you know, kind of went through the motions and, and I, and I thought, let me just see what happens. There's no expectations. No one is telling me you have to graduate from college because no one's done it. <laughs> and my father's like, yeah, right. you know, go to school, do your thing, you know, no pressure. And so that I kind of went with that mindset. And so going in and just discovering even how to survive and how to, how to leverage resources, asking questions and being curious, that all contributed to the other experiences I was going to explore. You know, how I was going to choose my college major or even volunteering. Yeah. And so now in my role, so now 20 plus years later, um, I oversee a career office within the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, which is my home college. And so now I get to work with students that I think about myself when, you know, feeling lost and being the first in my family mm -hmm. and just looking at them and saying like, you're going to be okay. You know, you're here. Yeah, yeah. Take advantage of the resources, talk to people, importance of mentorship. And so I'm very confident in, in their abilities. A lot of times they are not. Um, but yeah. lifted and also seeing other students and, and friends of mine um, overcoming some barriers, but still being successful uh, is really what, what, what drives what I do today in my career. Yeah, I think that's a great point that um, even when you're not confident in your ability to succeed, there's generally someone who is confident for you. And sometimes leaning on that can be really helpful and can get you through those moments where you're like, I think I'm going to fail this class. And if I fail this class, I will not graduate. So it can be really tough to, if you don't have those people, but they're generally out there. And, and um, offices like, like yours, I think are really good at that too, the, the career counseling and um, the student advisement offices. And I think they're probably underutilized at campuses because I know like last thing any college student wants to do is go to office hours or go to see a career counselor or something because you know, you're already doing so much, but I think those resources are very underutilized. And I mean, excuse me, anytime that I've, that I've gone there, it's like, they're just waiting for you. They just are like, let me help you. I'm here. Like, I've been waiting for you. So it's always been great experiences with that. Oh, that is true. I think you, you got it right in the nose. It's, they're definitely underutilized. And, you know, I, I find that it can be, it can be intimidating. Uh, a lot of times, you know, some of our students will say, well, I don't know what to ask. It's scary. Yeah. And it's like, no, well, that's you don't have to know what why you're there. We'll have a conversation and we'll guide you through the process. And it happens a lot with even established professionals, even reaching out to a career coach. It's it's very personal. Um, mm -hmm. People, you know, there's of course, there's there's that that layer of um, intimacy, but also it's there's that fear of the unknown. 
definitely, yes. I think there are a ton of great services and resources within the college level that are definitely under underutilized. Yeah. Um, do you remember what your father was like when you graduated? Like the, the pride that he had. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like how he must have felt to see you graduate. Do you remember what that was like? Oh my goodness, yes. So my father has always been very, very proud. Like he, he sometimes doesn't say things, but I could just tell. Uh, but no, he's always, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know what you do, but I'm always telling people, you know, she helped friends, <laughs> and I think she's a teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I actually graduated when I graduated from UIC. I graduated in December, and we at that we didn't have ceremony, and it was okay. the following May. And I didn't want right. to go because I'm like, oh, I already graduated. Why am I going to do this? And the only reason why I went was because of my father. So right. I'm like, I have to do this for him. So yeah, my father, even though I'm in my 40s, you know, he still shows so much pride and he is my number one cheerleader that is for sure yeah yeah that's amazing uh, when i was looking into your background um and i i came across your podcast uh, one of the things that one of the words that really stuck out to me was the word niche that you used because to me niche means um it's like finding your special thing and finding what makes you unique and, and really utilizing that and um and, and doing what you want to do as a career um and maybe it's being an entrepreneur maybe it's doing your own thing but it's finding your niche so that you give that to the world and i think one of the things that's really interesting is in the in the past especially being different was not good it, you know it was like if you were different if you were unique it, it was going to be difficult to find a company that would bring you on and say like, oh, this person is great because they, you know, are different because they have this unique skill set because they are very niche. It's like now, I think we're starting to see how beneficial it is for people to bring themselves to work, to bring who they are, to bring what makes them unique, and and, and to do their niche thing, um, so that everyone benefits. So for you, can you tell me? Like why that word is special, it's so special that you kind of highlight that. And then sort of how do people leverage that in their day-to-day -day work to help them, not just help themselves, not just help the company, but to like down the road to, to be something bigger than who they are right now. Yeah, I always say, I would tell people, you know, own your truth. And I think part of that is really knowing what your strengths are. So I do like to describe myself yeah. as a strengths-based coach. And, and the reason behind that is that I, like you mentioned before, you know, being able to recognize the talents of other people. And it's so hard to recognize that on our, of our own talents, but we are all, yeah, yeah. and we all have those talents. And sometimes we just need some, someone to guide us to uncover those things. And so when we recognize what those things are, then we're able to bring our full self, our full, really our full potential. And so what I have found is that individuals that are not leveraging their talents, their themes in, you know, like the workplace or in the type of career that they're in, then they're, they're not satisfied in what they're doing. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you are someone that is strong in empathy. Uh, your, your themes are around relationship building. But if you're in a career path that has nothing to do with building relationships and connecting with people, 
that you're probably not going to have that satisfaction. And I, and I feel that when yeah. you are satisfied in your role, in an organization, it's going to come through in your work and how you impact the people you're serving, your colleagues, and just bringing your whole self to your position. So that is something that I'm very passionate about is, you know, helping people really own that truth, whatever that is for you as, a, as an individual and not, not going into directions that are somebody else's dreams or somebody else's expectations. Yeah. Um, so like not trying to lose ourselves among all the noise that we hear and the pressure. So that's why that's something that I really focus on is like you bring yourself whatever that is, whatever that looks like and embracing that. Um, that's, 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 that's my, my mindset. Uh, kind of along with that sort of pulling out of that, uh, can you talk to us about emotion? Because I feel like we all think that emotion has no place in business. Like you shouldn't be emotional. You shouldn't be, I think that especially for women, they've had, um, to deal with, people saying, oh, you know, she can't be a leader because she's too emotional. Um, how do you handle emotion in business? And is it something that you can bring into your work and, and make decisions that are somewhat emotionally based? I'm all about the human connection. And it's when you're, you know, we're, we've come to work, we're human. And I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I believe they're, you know, being professional, and when I think about emotion, I think about all the types of emotions that come through, right? Whether that's anger, love, compassion, all of those things. And I think there's a professional yeah. way of showcasing where you're not, you know, you have to be mindful of, of other people around you. But I guess if, if I'm if I'm understanding the question correctly, right, and thinking about emotion, you know, I do lead with 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 emotion and I mm -hmm. connect with people and I for me, it's like the person comes first rather than the, it's, oh, it's an employee. Like if someone is upset or someone is having a bad day or whatever the case, my first inclination is not like, oh, they're just horrible. It's like, mm, something's happening. Something's going on. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. people don't know. And for me, you know, you're right. Because I think for a long time, people are like, oh, Liz, you're too nice. Or, you know, it's it's like there's this stigma, right? Like, oh, you're too nice. And I, for me, I never thought myself being in any type of leadership capacity because uh, I always thought you had to be strict. You have to be, you know, really managing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, for me, I've embraced that, you know, well, that's not my personality. And yeah. Yeah, I am somebody that is, you know, that, you know, that yeah, I'll cry and, and it's okay to be vulnerable. Like I'm always saying like, it is okay to be vulnerable. And it just shows that that's just my side and that's how I react to things. Um, but of course, in terms of decision-making, I, I like my decision to be sound or even if I'm not sure if I'm feeling, you know, like, okay, maybe I'm being biased is talking to someone else that I trust uh, to help me brainstorm and kind of think things through. Um, but one thing, I guess kind of, kind of like a random side note, like emailing, I always tell people like never send an email when you're angry. <laughs> so really, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, when it comes to emotions, it's like really being mindful. I think that's the emotional intelligence, being mindful of the situation yeah. where you're at. Yeah. Um, I wonder how, how did you get into career coaching? Because it's something where I've, I've wondered this before, like, do people just like go into counseling and realize like, oh, this is the kind of area that I really like, or is it something that like when you grew up, people just always came to you for advice? Like, 
I've wondered that before. And so I'll just ask you, how did you get into career coaching Yeah, so or coaching in general? Yeah, I, I actually, it's funny because this is why I tell my students, it's like, you just never know where things are going to lead. And so I always was interested yeah. in education. And so I did some tutoring at an alternative high school. Fast forward, after I finished college, they offered me a job and it was an entry-level admin job. But because I had mm-hmm. a college degree, at some point, they had a career counseling position open. Uh, it was entry level. So that was my first exposure to career counseling. And it was more like kind of a guidance counselor, even though that's not okay. my background. I'm not certified in, in that area. But in that position, I was able to guide students through, you know, their ap- college applications, taking them to college tours. And I had just gone through it. As, you know, I had just graduated from college. And so advising start was something that I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I enjoy this. And I love teaching and presenting. And so my career just kind of took off from there. And then I had the opportunity to, to go into a, a graduate program that was specifically in higher education. And so I okay. did that program. And when I finished, I thought, okay, well, I should be working in higher ed. So I applied for a position at a community college. And while my role was more about helping students transfer from a two-year college to a four-year university, I found myself doing career fairs, helping students with mm. interviewing, resume writing. The funny thing, Nathan, is that I didn't even know that career coaching or career advising was a career. I didn't know that it yeah. was And so yeah. I saw a position at UIC for a career counselor, and I'm like, well, I'm always teaching people how to you know, write resumes, cover letters, interviews. So I should be able to do this. So even though that wasn't my necessarily my background per se, I still applied. They gave me a chance. I was able to talk about my transferable skills. And that's where my career in career development pretty much started. And so from there, it's just, I've been at UIC for about 15 years in different spaces. And that's how I've been just in the field of career development. So my master's is in higher education. But in my career, I've been doing a ton of anything, training, certification that just makes me a more effective career coach. I'm on it. <laughs> so always, <laughs> always learning. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I learned recently, I, I took this uh, class and I learned about the differences between leadership and management. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you think about, you know, at work, you may not be a manager. So it's like, I'm not going to be able to do those certain management things. And if it's like, if I don't think that this person is really working out, what am I going to do about it? I'm not their manager. I'm not their supervisor, whatever. But um, the leadership is something that really everyone can do, no matter what position you're at. If you are a receptionist, um, you know, I work at a law firm, so we have paralegals and attorneys and, and all of those levels you can lead. So for you, how do you help people see themselves as leaders and start to live and work through that lens? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I, I and Because it took me a long time to, to embrace that myself. I, I feel that mm-hmm. we all have leadership qualities and I think it's just redefining how we see leadership. As you said, you know, maybe people thinking about manager or even having yeah, that title. Yeah. And so I have worked with so many talented professionals that don't hold that senior level title, but they just exude leadership qualities. And yeah, yeah. that, you know, again, using their strengths where maybe they're really good at mentoring others, setting the example, going above and beyond, 
teaching people or paving the way uh, or reaching out to someone and say, hey, you may want to check this out uh, or this resource or, you know, taking initiative and serving on a committee, uh, a, a board, utilizing your, your skills and your strengths to advance the goals of the organization or, or just putting yourself out there maybe in the community. I think those are all leadership qualities uh and and you can definitely be a leader in your in your organization in your role regardless of your job title yeah um working in higher education i mean uic is is from what i know i grew up in illinois but not in the chicago area uic has been pretty diverse in its history and i think there's been a lot of people um partly because of its location in the city partly because it is in a big city it seems like it's been very uh, a very diverse place, and there's a lot of people who go there um, from all different backgrounds. But um, as true as that may be, there hasn't always been a high level of success of people graduating. You know, the difference between people starting college and actually getting a degree, um, maybe those numbers don't correlate as much. So uh, have you seen a change there? Have you seen more people from diverse backgrounds actually earning degrees and finding success in getting through the program? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if I'll be able to answer that. Um, the only reason why is because when I think about UIC, UIC is vast. And so UIC yeah. has so many programs and, and colleges. So like I work for the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences, but then you have engineering, public health. And so I feel that a lot of times, you know, they have their own numbers and I don't have the data in front of me. So I couldn't tell you that, you know, like, oh, uh, that there's been this significant um, increase. And, and then it depends too, like what, what um, demographic are you looking at? Um, but I will say yeah. definitely we uh, take pride in, in the diversity of our, of our student body. Um, but in terms of, of, of those numbers, like I'm, I don't, I don't think that's my area. <laughs> I don't even, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be able to capture that. Yeah. And the diversity of UIC, um, sets it apart for sure. What, what makes that special though? What, what about that diversity makes it a special place to be? Yeah. And, and I can even speak to, to when I was a student there, yeah. what, what I loved about or what I love about UIC, even working there, I think in all parts, I mean, UIC has been such a huge part of my, my life as a student and as a professional is being with, being around people that are different from me, um, but also people that look like me. Uh, so I've always embraced, you know, learning about other cultures and people's backgrounds and socioeconomic status and, and just going in as a student initially, just thinking like, wow, you know, these people come from these neighborhoods or these countries or these suburbs, or whatever the case. And it's like, they're so different for me. And I love that. I love meeting yeah. all kinds of people. And, and I think sometimes we tend to, to, you know, try to stay with our group because that's comfortable. And, and while I did do that, I just, to me, it was like, oh, I get to be a partner with this person that, you know, uh, is from a completely different country. And so as a working professional, I've also had the pleasure of, of connecting with diverse colleagues and I'm always learning. Uh, and, and that's something that I really, really enjoy about um, 
you know, that pride that we have at, at UIC. Yeah, this is a, a see, we're coming up on a season where you're going to get a whole new class of kids and um, a whole new group of, well, not just kids really, and especially these days, you know, people are starting to go to school, go to college, obviously when they come out of high school, but also I'm sure there's been an increase in 30, 40, 50 year olds going back to school. Um, so as we, as people think about going back to school and starting again, what would you say to people who are maybe nervous about, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to like, if I'm a, a more experienced person, what's going to be like sitting in a classroom? And if I'm, you know, fresh out of high school, you know, am I going to be like wide eyed and, and how am I going to like handle being on my own a little more and not having people, you know, really force me to do the work. Um, can you give some, some thoughts to people who are maybe nervous about starting school again? Yeah, I mean, I always say the fear of the unknown. You know, one of the things I always tell my clients um, or students regardless, you know, because everybody always sees the, the deficiencies, the barriers. So I'm going to just give an example. So somebody that's starting brand new, like, oh, I'm, I'm fresh. I have no experience. And it's like, no, that's great. You're a sponge. You have the energy because you're you know you don't know what's you know what's in front of you 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 have that ability to you know go above and beyond and learn and explore and there's a lot of you know there's there shouldn't be that much pressure because you people know like you're new you're learning and there are mechanisms in place to help you transition right so going to okay. school it's like you've you survived high school how was your first year and a lot of times students are like well that was scary but now you're in college <laughs> same thing and it's this is part of this is part of our life. This is part of our entire, yeah. all our phases. But then when I have someone who is, let's say somebody a little more established or they're like, oh, I'm going to start school. I'm going to go back to school rather. And I'm going to be with a bunch of 18 year olds. I'm not going to fit in. And then for me, I'm like, well, you have all this world life experience that you get to bring. You know how to study. You're there. You're going to be focused. Um, you're not going, you're not going to be, you know, hindered because of certain pressures that you don't see anymore because you're beyond that. You have that life yeah. experience. So I feel that regardless of where you're at in your phase, in your season, there are strengths. I go back to the strengths and there are positive qualities and attributes that you can leverage to help you through that, through that process, through that journey. But it's so easy to see the, the negative or the deficiencies rather than the actual strong things yeah. that, that can be helpful to, to, you know, elevate wherever you're at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to ask you about mental health because it's something that has had a huge effect on people, especially we all know what we've been going through recently in the last few years and the effect that that's had um, on people both in school and at work. Uh, so for you, what are the mental health considerations that you suggest people to take? And then how do you sort of deal with that when you have to be a professional and you have to deal with challenges that happen every day? What would you say about kind of utilizing mental health resources for people um, to try and help them get through all this? Yeah, and I think if, if anything, you know, COVID did teach us about kind of really zeroing in and resetting and really recognizing what's truly important to us, right? And mm -hmm. I think, for me, I'm all about well-being, self-care, 
mental health and that I know there's a stigma, especially in certain cultures about asking for help and using those types of resources. You know, for me, that was something that was not talked about growing up, uh, seeking, yeah. you know, mental health therapy or, or that type of thing. And so I, I know that we are having more of those conversations. So I always tell people that your, your, your well-being comes first. And, and with anything yeah. that I'm working with, right? And so when I, I'm doing career development, career coaching, it's doing that temperature check. You know, where are you? Because it's you're, you bring your, your whole self to the conversation. Our career, yeah. I mean, all parts of our life are embedded um, in talking about these things. So I, I feel that people definitely need to use resources when they are, you know, when they feel that they need that, that support, uh, and the, wherever you're at, right. If you're a student, if you're a working professional, um, and, and you know, with some of my former bosses too, who would say, Liz, you need to take some time off, take some vacation. <laughs> and I think yeah, at the beginning yeah. of my career, it was always like, no, I just need to work, work, work and, you know, prove myself. And that was part of it too. Always wanting to prove, you know, like I belong yeah. here. And so I, I think one of the things that I've learned in, in my years of working is it's okay to take some time off. Um, the work will still be there and, you know, the world will still, you know, be working and revolving. And so I think it's important to take some time for yourself and be with family and really thinking about what's, what's important. Yeah. I want to give you an opportunity to, to share anything else that you have for us. I know we talked about a lot, but I'm sure there's more out there, but I want to give you a chance to share anything else that you want to share with us and then to let people know how they can connect with you to learn more. Yeah. You know, I, there's, I, I, I'm all about, you know, positivity and connecting with people that are going to be supportive, uh, but also to find that, that strength within, within yourself. I think we all have that that motivation yeah. and, and as I mentioned before, owning your truth. And I say that even to my young nieces, to my niece, my nephew, um, my cousins, and my, my siblings, um, there's, we all have something to give. And I live this life looking for joy. And so yeah. if something is not giving me joy, then I know that I have to circumvent, reconnect with myself, but we have the answers we have the answers within. So really paying attention to that. And if it means having to talk to someone, uh, your cheerleader, your supporters, your mentors to, to uncover what that looks like, um, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, definitely. And then just let us know how we can connect with you, how we can keep in touch. And if people want to uh, find out more, how they can do that. Yeah, so I have several platforms. So I am on Instagram uh, at Liz Career Coaching. Uh, I also have uh, my Liz Career Coaching podcast. So you can just Google Liz Career Coaching and you probably find all my social media. On yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So I love to give career advice uh, from job search strategies to, to self-care and navigating the career landscape. Awesome. We will make sure to follow Liz Career Coaching on Instagram and then um, obviously on LinkedIn as well as we're pretty active on LinkedIn. So Liz, I want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been so valuable to us and I know it is a great resource. So thank you for joining us today and thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you to our listeners who continue to follow us in season five. 
You can find all of this season and our previous four seasons of episodes on our website, www.bridgingchicago.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And of course, we're very active on LinkedIn. So you can search us Bridging Chicago on LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining us. And we hope to see you soon on another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solutions Center. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guest. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solutions Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including, but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceedings.